Today in Flex in the City, we interview Julian I, head of EMEA distribution at Franklin Templeton and CEO at Martin Curry. We talk about the importance of authentic leadership in financial services as reflected in his favorite classic moth. All that happening right now in Flex and the City. Hello, everybody. A big welcome to all of you. This is Rachel Treese uh, from FTS Global, and this is Flex in the City. And I'm absolutely thrilled today. I'm going to be interviewing Julian Ide. He's with me now. He is the head of distribution for EMEA for Franklin Templeton and also the CEO of Martin Curry. A big welcome to you, Julian. Rachel, thanks a lot. It's great, great to be here. Great to be with you too. And, and where are you sitting in the world right now, Julian? I'm, I'm sitting on my own in complete isolation in London. It's great to talk to you for that reason as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And just a reminder to our viewers, we are still in the middle of the pandemic. So, Julian, love to know a little bit more about you other than the fact that you're sat in London and in a house down there. Tell us a little bit a bit about yourself and how you came to be doing that role, those roles right now. I guess I'm pretty regular. I'm married with three kids and I've I've had longer in financial services than I'm prepared to admit to on the airwaves. Yeah, so I moved to Edinburgh, which is where my home really is with my family, uh, three years ago. Wonderful city. And obviously spend a bit of time down in, down in the south as well when travel restrictions permit. Mm, absolutely. And, and so tell, tell us a little bit more about the roles that you're doing right now, Julian. Yeah, I suppose it's thought to be a bit sort of unconventional to have two roles, Mm. although I think many people probably have two roles, they just don't have two titles. So I became CEO of Martin Curry about two years ago. Martin Curry is a a wonderful business. It's actually one of the oldest asset management companies in the world. It's It's a terrific brand and it's going through a real revival at the moment. And then when Franklin Templeton decided to buy Leg Mason. To my mm. surprise, I was approached because I really wasn't expecting it, and, and asked, "Would I like to become head of distribution in EMEA?" And you know, I thought about that overnight and thought, actually, that sounds really interesting because it, it sort of goes back to some of my roots, I suppose, in some respects. So it's exciting having two roles. I mean, genuinely is, you know. And I, and I have to say, I really work with some great and pretty different sort of people, you know, in those two roles. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to put my coaching hat on uh, in respect to the merger because mergers can be challenging events at the best of times. So, you know, I'd love to know a little bit more curious about the biggest challenges and what kind of leadership skills were required in this. I think, I think you're right, Rachel, to say that mergers are challenging because they often are. And actually, this one has gone extraordinarily smoothly which is different to saying it was easy. But, we, you know, we worked extremely hard. I mean, I suppose for me personally, you know, I was already running a business, Martin Curry, and I was being pulled into and drawn into a whole new organization on a completely different scale to Martin mm-hmm. Curry. And we were trying to do this in the middle of an event we'd never experienced before, which is a pandemic. And so, you know, getting to know people was and is extremely challenging in that sort of environment. We've had to be quite innovative in the way that we communicate. You know, we've had lots of sort of things like virtual drinks and 
virtual meetings. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there was a there was a week or two when I'd say to my wife, "I'm going to Frankfurt for the day, or I'm going to Madrid for the day, or I'm going to Dubai," and I would kind of walk into the next room, and then we would spend hours with those teams in, the, in those countries mm. as if we were there in person. So things like that were actually remarkably effective. So, you know, there were, there were a lot of challenges. And I, and I think getting to know new teams is difficult in this environment. But we've made good progress. We've heard the voice of a lot of the people in the organisation, I think. And I believe that we're reflecting what they are saying in the organisation as we move this business forward. Absolutely. And transformations, as I say, can always be challenging. So the fact is down to the leadership. Yeah, you know, we're seeing benefits. You know, I think part of the success comes from the fact that Franklin Templeton has defined its terms. This is not a me too transaction. This is not a consolidation. This is a growth play. And therefore, the objective of the senior leadership in the business is to use this as a transformational opportunity in an industry, you know, which is going through transformation to transform itself and be a real leader in both the way we service clients, but also the way we think of ourselves as an organization and the people that we work with within our organization and, you know, outside it as well. Absolutely. As you know, Flex in the City is really all about leadership in financial services. You mentioned earlier that you've been in the industry a fair few years. <laughs> so I'd love to know who's been the most inspiring leaders in the industry? Is there somebody that you'd pick out? Uh, thank you, by the way, Rachel, for mentioning my longevity again, but I will quickly move on from there. Yeah, I, I've actually thought quite a lot about this. And uh, my, my feeling about leadership is the kind of people who show you know, ambition, who show empathy, who create followership, who have stickability, who take themselves out of the centre, in a sense, allow others to lead. Those are the sorts of things that I look for. I was thinking, who is it that I know that does that? Because, you, you know, the conventional view is there aren't many people who can do that in the industry. And I was talking to my wife about this the other day, and she said, do you know what, this person I'm about to give you the name of, gives the lie to the idea that you've got to be really unpleasant to get to the top. And I actually want to mention two people. One of them is Rob Fairburn, who is the vice chairman of BlackRock, and who I've known for many years and worked with many years ago. And I think he exhibits all those things that I've talked about. I think the other person I, I would also mention, who I don't know so well, but I'm you know, getting to know very well, is is Jenny Johnson, who's the CEO of Franklin Templeton. And as a female role model, but but as a role model really for the way this industry needs to change, I think she has some extraordinary qualities and skills, if I can say that respectfully. I, I think she's got extraordinary empathy. She inspires. She is quite informal. She's almost disarmingly informal. And she's very personal and personable. And she's also very demanding. So she's got a very strong ambition. She's an unusual leader in a very positive way, I would say. So she has some gentle and compassionate toughness is what I'm hearing. I better be careful what I say, but I think <laughs> I think that does seem to be the case. <laughs> very good. She's, you know, she's very engaged in the business, at all levels in the business. I mean, she really is. And she, she is an, an exceptional communicator. I think that's another characteristic of real mm. leaders and you know is the ability to communicate and connect. 
you know, even digitally, which we're all having to do now. So, and yeah, I think uh, it's a very good example of how leadership can change the course of a transaction or a commercial activity. Absolutely. And so it sounds a little bit that, you know, you like the authenticity of those two leaders that you just described. What would you say you personally stand for as a leader? Well, I suppose in many ways, you know, those words that I've used to describe Jenny and Rob, I would sort of use, you know, I try to be authentic. I try to be human. Increasingly, I recognize the success of what I'm doing will not be what I do. It's how the team understands what its role is individually and collectively. And I think that, you know, you have to play into your strengths in your life. And I think some of the biggest challenges I've had actually personally is when I think that I want to be something that I'm not. And so at this stage of my career, it's great to be in a position. It's a massive privilege to be in a position where you're working with all these people from different places, different backgrounds. Incidentally, 95% of whom I've never met in person and to be able to effect change and so I try I try to listen to what people say to me you know I think in a business as big as ours I think we know what most of the answers to most of the questions are so my job to some extent is to give voice to those people and not only give voice but to say okay so we now understand what we've got to do let's find a way that we can make that work so I guess as a leader in some way I focus a lot on the how we are going to do things. I think a lot of other people can help with the what it is and some of the challenges around actually how we organise ourselves and motivate ourselves to do stuff. Very good. So talking about the how and, and the why, you're a father of three children, I understand, adult children. I'd love to know, do they know what you do? Do they know why you do it and uh, how you well, do it? <laughs> really recently, my because because I'm working at home now. My daughter, who's 21, was at home. She said, "Dad, I, I didn't realise that all you do all day is just sit on the phone and talk." So I don't know whether you know your question is you know does she really understand how high powered you are and you know how complicated financial services are because that's not quite what she took away from you know from listening to me talk. And do you know what I really reflected on that? Thought that's really interesting. I, I think about it quite a lot because that's what I do. And it, it helped me actually understand what I do in a way. It's not highfalutin. It is talking to people and trying to, you know, make great things happen. That's that's what I'm trying to do. But what you're saying is it is it's um, about, it's I don't all know. about people. Yeah. It's all about people and, and that that is the sum of it. We've got lots of tools that we can use, but it's ultimately all about how people use those tools, how they interact with each other. And the way that we work with people, the culture that we create is without question a competitive differentiator. And I think this is one of the things that the, the leadership in Franklin Templeton has realized is yeah. it's not just we've got better products and we've got better services, although that we think that as well. It's how we engage our people, the culture that we create, which not only empowers people massively, but enables us to talk about things like ESG and sustainability and responsibility in a much more 
authentic way because there's no point in just having a marketing message and everyone in the organization says that's not my experience of this this organization absolutely so, so if you were to bottom line for me julian and describe the culture of franklin templeton how would you describe it i would say it's a culture of transparency it's mm-hmm. a diverse culture i think those two things often come together it's an ambitious culture it's a really ambitious culture and it's a culture which values longevity it's in some respects a big family owned business and that's mm-hmm. that's almost how it f- feels there are long timelines combined with real ambition so it's a dynamic culture very good and i know that you've very much been involved in championing inclusion at Franklin Templeton, Julian. What does inclusion really mean for you and you personally? Inclusion, I think, to me, ultimately means, it's a slightly strange answer maybe, it's inspirational to me and I think it's inspirational to the organisation as well. I always have done, actually, and, I, and, I, and I, I think there's been a lot of improvements in the culture. I think, unfortunately, as you've pointed out, Rachel, my, my history in the city goes back some time. So I actually remember the kind of tail end of the wow. period. I, I joined just after Big Bang. It was not a great culture then, that, that is for sure. And it was a very exclusive culture. And I think we've moved a long way. We've got a long way to go. Absolutely. So if you're a young, let's say, young black person deciding what career direction you might want to go in. What are financial services doing to attract, A, young people and young people of ethnic minorities to the industry? Well, first of all, any people that fit that description who are listening to this recording, come and talk to us. It's the first point. Mm. But I I think the reason why they should come and talk to us is because this is a really exciting industry. And it's 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 an industry which has a purpose, which is increasing almost in value day by day, and that is to enable people to live in a way that they should be able to live in retirement, but not only in retirement. So it's an extraordinarily important industry. And for that reason, we need people who, young people, Mm. but not just young people, but young people who come in who understand how technology and digitalization is reshaping communications, the way we talk to each other, the possibilities that exist. I think it's intellectually an incredibly interesting industry, extraordinarily interesting industry. It's an incredibly interesting industry from the point of view of the relationships that you can create with people, the people that we get to meet in this industry because of its importance and significance. So I would encourage people to really think of it from that point of view and come and try and discover the human side of this industry. Very good. And how important is it being human in financial services? To lead, you have to be human these days. I mean, the the days when command and control Mm. and distance was a sort of the power that you had, those days are gone. And you know, go back to the point I made at the beginning. At my point in my career, isn't it amazing for me to be able to be engaged in an organisation and an industry like ours, which is going through seismic change? You know, digitalization, regulation, mm-hmm. all these things are changing very dramatically, and it's an incredibly dynamic place, an, an industry. And I, I think for some, that feels very threatening. For a smart young person who wants to come in and say, "I'm going to," be in an industry which is reshaping itself is 
reshaping you know people's aspirations in the world and will continue to do so in the foreseeable future it's a very energizing place to be and you know and i, and I think the, the human side of it what we need is to be human in order to harness the abilities the diverse ways of thinking that those people bring to our industry and it's so important you can't overstress how important it is in terms of being creative in terms of producing great outcomes in terms of understanding who our customers are you know all those things are really important absolutely and i'd love to conclude this interview by talking about human and talking about purpose getting to know you a little bit more so outside of financial services and outside of leadership What's your purpose? What do you love doing? Oh, uh, big question. I mean, I love doing lots of things. I was out in the park this morning and I was watching these people running around. I was walking. I was quite excited by watching these people running fast in the dark in early in the morning. I often think of it as I like speed, reading and whiskey. And there's commas between those words. So it's not speed not reading, reading, but I do like reading. Sorry. Not speed reading. So it's speed. Not speed reading. I'm not very good at And whiskey. Okay. So speed. What's your favorite bit of speed? I like things that are on the ground and either have two or four wheels. So I, I love racing motorcycles. It's a massive challenge. I love racing cars. It's very exciting. Um, and I don't read at the same time as I'm doing that, nor do I drink whiskey at the same time as I'm doing that. That's good to know. So read question, favourite book. What's your favourite book of all time? Oh, do you know what? I would say something like, I mean, there's, there's lots of books. I would say something like Black Box Thinking, mm-hmm. which is, um, I think because I, I, for me, I think books like that make me rethink how you engage people and how cultures work together and how teams can work together. But I love reading economics fascinated by economics uh, psychology i'm interested because it's very interesting to think how people work together so so many many i've got many interests in terms of reading history i've got lots of books that are our room at home is absolutely full of books they're all over the place and it's good to pick them up and put them down very good and i'll say the best question until last what is your favorite whiskey oh well, that's easy that, okay. that, my favorite whiskey is easy and i've i, I learned this probably 10 years ago, but it's a whiskey not many people seem to have heard of called Springbank. And it's produced in a, in a I mean, I live in Scotland now, and, and it, it's produced in a town called Campbelltown, which very few people have been to because it's like at the end of the world. But this whiskey is, it's a very authentic whiskey. Um, it's, it's got no additives. It's simply a spirit put in a barrel and then taken out 15 or 20 years later. And it, it, during that time, it acquires this colour and this extraordinary flavour. Julian, what could financial services learn from Springbank? I think Springbank has figured out what whiskey it is. And, and I, th- I think all of us have to figure out, you know, as businesses and individuals, what role is it that we play in financial services? And let's just go and deliver it. And although superficially that some of those things seem the same, you know, if you look at different bottles of whiskey, they all look as if they're roughly the same colour and the bottles are similar shapes. And But our business here is, is, a, is a very different business to some other businesses out there. And we have enormous, you know, competitive strengths. And, you know, I think we need to be authentic in terms of the way we deliver that. 
Mm. So it's authentic and unique. I think that's right. And, you know, it has a clear value prop. It has a very clear value proposition. Our business does, and so does Springbank. Yeah, and it also has it a guess that uh, whiskey brings connection and communication, which is vitally important. Well, for anyone who spent any time in Scotland, you will understand that the whole whiskey industry, the making of it and the drinking of it is all about people getting together and having connections in a way that somehow doesn't work so well in other situations. Yeah, so very much so. Very good. Julian Ide, thank you so much for joining us today on Flex in the City. You've been absolutely wonderful. Wishing you a successful continuation in London or in Edinburgh as we go through the pandemic and look forward to listening to the podcast again. Thank you very much, Julian. Rachel, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. You just listened to Flex in the City. Catch us on our next episode.